Emmett Moorhead was better than anyone expected, throwing for four touchdown passes, but it was not enough as BC's defense came out flat and allowing Duke to score 38 points. On today's show, we're going to look at why this loss happened. We're going to get into Moorhead or Jakovic for the last three games, and we're going to get into tonight's tip-off for BC men's basketball. All of this and more on today's episode of Locked On BC. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I'm your host, AJ Black. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right. I'm joined today by Mitch Wolf, as always. And we're going to get into Friday night's loss. It feels like it was like a week and a half ago at this point. But um, we're here to talk about it. We're going to process... a game that didn't have the same feel as I expected. Mitch, how's it going? Uh, I was going to say, you know, th- this is about as good as I've felt coming off a loss this entire season. Uh, maybe besides the Clemson game, just because it wasn't that bad of a blowout. But yeah, I mean, I think this is certainly one of the more interesting games. You know, it actually, I would say it was competitive for the most part. You know, there were some lulls there, but it was, you know, an interesting game, especially for certain people who took the uh, Duke spread. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nope. <laughs> nobody on this. Nobody on this podcast, though. Nobody. No, nobody no, 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 no. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It did. It felt like it was a game that had. Um. Yeah. You left feeling something, right? Like so many games, like the Wake Forest. Besides game, existential dread, that is. Ex- yeah. Other than ex- existential dread, the UConn game. You felt like, oh, okay, there's something to build off here. Finally, we see something for the future. And that was um, that was encouraging. And, and, and we're not going to get into the, the plays. You know, if you want to read recaps, you can go find recaps anywhere. We're, we're, we're diving in and talking about what happened in this game. And I think the big takeaways, first of all, we'll get into Emmett Moorhead in our second segment. But let's, let's get into Joseph Griffin, because Joseph Griffin Jr., who I, you know, going into the season, there was a lot of talk about this kid being a, a really dynamic wide receiver. It took a little while to see him get involved. You know, he's a true freshman came in over the summer. You know, I don't know what happened to Jaden Williams, but he's not there. Now he has his spot and he, he looked every bit the, the, the future star for BC. Yeah. And it's been really interesting watching him, you know, take a bigger role in this offense because, you know, he played a lot during the Clemson, a lot more during the Clemson game, but uh, most of his garbage time, he didn't get any targets, but since that bye week, he's been a, a, a huge part of the offense in terms of his snaps going up, his targets going up, and then this game finally exploding for yards and touchdowns. Uh, and, you know, for weeks, I've, or, you know, I guess for years almost, I've been saying, you know, Jaden Williams has been miscast as this offense's X receiver because his game is not, you know, winning contested balls on the outside. And that's all Joseph Griffin did, you know, and then, you know, this offense needed that. I was, I think I wrote in the, uh, three stars that, you know, for a young quarterback like Moorhead, having a guy like Zay Flowers who can get pretty wide open and and make plays after the catch is important, but also having a guy that 
you can just throw it up to and be like, just please go win this. That those are really the two weapons you I think you most need for a young quarterback. And you know, he's got both those guys, and we saw how well he was able to attack this Duke defense, which I said, you know, attack their cornerbacks if you can because they're pretty weak there. And that's what BC was able to do, and that's where they found their most success. Yeah, I, I was very impressed. And again, as you said, you have to you take it with a grain of salt because it's Duke's defense and they're not particularly strong in the secondary. Um, and then the other positive out of this game, and we'll get into what went wrong in a second because I'm sure folks are going, why are we talking about positives when we lost? But I've been talking about negatives for about a month and a half straight, and I'm going to get into some positive stuff first. Um, it's Alex Broom, which we've seen pieces of before, but I thought he looked particularly strong in this game. Yeah, you can tell he just has a different gear of explosiveness than Patrick Garwin. And no slander to Patrick Garwin, who's been a very solid, consistent player. Um, you know, I think this year, just the off lack of an offensive line has really hurt his ability to get anything going. Uh, but, you know, Broom, just, you know, from his ability to, you know, stop and start, get up to accelerate to top speed really quickly was super important for this team in this game. And, you know, I was really surprised how well, you know, BC ran the ball. I know if you look at the box score, it doesn't look that impressive because of the sack yardage, but you know, and, and Pat Gar was yards per carry. Wasn't that great, but you know, this, what this, it, when they ran the ball, it didn't look like the Rutgers game. Like they were actually able to, you know, get some forward momentum, get the running backs past line of scrimmage and pick up some yards when they needed to. So, you know, again, we're trying to find some little victories here. And, you know, the fact that the run game was actually, you know, at, at the bare minimum competent in this game was a, positive sign i would say and i think it, it all reflected on the fact that they were able to score 31 points like mm -hmm. you don't you, it, you you have to have at least some complimentary football in there you, when you have a, a especially when you have a freshman quarterback back there for a retro mm -hmm. freshman now all right let's get into what the fans want which is the negatives <laughs> and get into this defense which came out flat and played flat for quite a while Mitch, what happened with, I mean, I want to give credit first of all, and I'm sure you're going to get into this Duke's offensive line was very, very good, mm -hmm. but you know, it, it looked like the defense was, was playing flat through that whole game. Yeah. I, I'm, it's tough with flat. So I think I want to say, I think one part of it is that when you have a short week, you have less time to practice. You have less time for, you know, physical practice, so, you know, we saw some issues with, you know, missed tackles, especially early in the game. And I'm kind of going to pin that on, you know, having a short week and not, and the uh, coaching staff not wanting to risk more injuries, especially in the secondary, because they're kind of banged up there. And uh, the linebacker group is decently thin. So they didn't want to risk injury. So I get it, but th that's kind of the, the risk you run when you, uh, <clears throat> when you don't tackle or hit live as much in practice. So I'm kind of wondering if that might be the reason for it. Um, again, I think we do have to give some credit to Duke of just having, like I said, like a very efficient offense. You know, they did find some explosive plays, obviously the big run by Riley Leonard. I mean, I'll, I'll eat crow. You're like Leonard was a much better runner than I, I expected, you know, obviously on that big zone read run for a touchdown, I uh, was able to create with some scrambles and uh, make some guys miss, which was huge. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just saw how their offense is able to stay on schedule by having a good run game behind a good offensive line. They never really threw the ball downfield. I think they attempted like three passes over 20 yards downfield. I think they completed one of them or something. Um, so and, you know, they kept everything short and it was efficient. So and, you know, that BC, the, the other part that I want to talk about is that because of special teams penalties, uh, 
that gave BC's offense really bad field position. They couldn't get anything going. And then they had to had, they had short punts, which gave Duke short field position. So, you know, defense did not play well. 38 points is not good. Uh, but they were, again, set up in bad positions by special teams, which led to bad offense, which led to uh, shorter fields for the Duke offense. And I know we're trying to, you know, the defense didn't play well enough. Like, that, that's it is what it is. 38 points is not acceptable. That, that's not how you win football games. But in the, in the final quarter, they did come up with some big stops to give the BC offense some opportunities to go down and score and make this a game and, you know, cover that nine and a half point spread. Or that's what it was when some people took it. You know, it obviously went up to like 12 and a half. So BC covered the most recent spread by no problem thanks to that field goal but um i mean those last few drives in the fourth quarter where they were able to get those stops were impressive uh but you know for the first three quarters when you're allowing the duke offense to just go up and down the field uh not tackling well um you know i i that, that was really the big thing um you know again duke's offensive line was just pretty much controlling the line of scrimmage uh in the run game in the past game so that that's that's where the biggest problems were. You, you saw a few coverage busts, especially when BC tried to rotate into more zone coverages. You know, sometimes those plays just get busted by a good offensive play call. Uh, a lot of like cross field motion where guys would just get caught up in the trash and they couldn't stay in phase on the guy they were supposed to be covering. Uh, that was a big issue. So, you know, I think there were some, you know, encouraging signs towards the end of the game, but at the end of the day, just 38 points is not, that's not how you play winning football. All right. In a moment, at, we're going to uh, move ahead and, and look ahead because there's a big question mark coming up for BC football and Jeff Halfley's had some answers and we're going to debate whether this is the right answer or not. We'll get into that in just a moment. Now, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. All you need to do is head on over to LinkedIn, add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is Locked On BCAJ Black here. Thank you all for listening, and thank you all who are following. We are one follower short for 600 followers on our YouTube page. I want you all, if you're listening right now, to be. I want you to become the 600 follower subscriber on our YouTube page. We were we we're hoping to do it by the start of this basketball season. We can do it by 7 o'clock tonight. So hit that subscribe button. Become our subscriber and get BC news and videos sent directly to your YouTube page. It's a great deal. All right. Now, Mitch, the big question mark heading into this weekend was the quarterback. And, you know, we knew that Phil Dracovic was not going to play. Well, we kind of knew. And then it was confirmed by Pete Thamel, who obviously gets the scoops for everything. The angel of death for BC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always find it funny. It's it's he's a national reporter and he just gets BC news. It's like, you know, I love that he gets all that. I'm sure he's like, cool. <laughs> uh, but Emmett Moorhead, you know, I think 
I'm going to eat crow because I thought he did definitely was not going to be ready to do what he was able to do. But the guy goes out there and throws 300 plus yards, four touchdowns and well, he sacked twice or three times, but uh, technically I, five times, but uh, three of them were attributed to the offensive line. So two were really on him. Okay. That being said, I thought he looked really good. And now we're heading into uh, the last three games of our season. We don't know what Phil Jakovic's injury is because Jeff Halfley get be surprised folks. Jeff Halfley's <laughs> being very vague about it. And he said that if he said twice now, I it was very emphatic that if, if Dracovic is ready to go, he's going to be their quarterback. I don't agree with this. I think that I, I, I know he's your, your leader, but this season is lost. Like there's nothing other to gain from this. I mean, other than if you want to give him some pride to go out on, you got to get your, you got to get more head out there. Cause as you saw on, on Friday, he grew as the game went on. He seemed to start to pick things up. He started to get more comfortable. If you're shooting to move ahead in 2023, Emmett Moorhead has to start these last three games. Yeah, it's a tough call because, you know, I, I agree with, I think growth is a really good word for Moorhead in this first start of his, because, you know, on the first drive, you know, he, his first real throw or the, the first downfield throw was really nowhere near the receiver. And, sideline reporter in the broadcast team was talking about how visibly nervous Moorhead was to start. But by the end of the game, you saw him, you know, just be so much more confident with running the offense. <clears throat> and, you know, obviously, you know, 300 yards, four touchdowns, that's all well and good. I, I still think there is obviously a lot of room to grow for him. Uh, you know, in this game specifically, I thought there were a lot of times, especially late in the game when BC was trying to mount a comeback where, I would have liked to see him be more aggressive. And I know we've kind of gotten on Dracovic for being too aggressive at times, but in the, in, you know, the late half of the, the second half of the game, when you're down by that many points, you know, just, just try, try something like, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to be mad if you make, if, if you make a mistake by when you're trying to like, you know, bring this team back when you're down by two scores or whatever, you know, him taking that big sack on fourth down. I know there were some offensive line busts, but you know, throw it. Yeah, if it gets intercepted, it's fine. Like you're probably actually going to gain yards um, by by you know pinning the tur- the turned over offense back further on the field. Uh, and a lot, a, you know, a lot of those great deep throws they were really accurate. But you know, we didn't really see him attack the intermediate middle part of the field. Um, you know, a lot of these are just like throw it up to the receiver and hope he catches. Which they were very good throws. I'll give him that. Uh, and he, like you said, he got a lot more comfortable as the game went on, uh, we're going to, if he, if Dracovic can't go and we see more head start against NC state, that's a completely different animal. That is a really talented, very experienced secondary. That is, you know, one of the best in the AFC, ACC, if not the country. So, you know, we're going to, you know, we, we've talked about how bad Duke secondary was, you know, this is going to be a very different animal that Moorhead faces. If he starts on Saturday, uh, I'm kind of assuming that actually, this is probably unfair to assume, but I feel like they're going to say that Dracovic is still hurt just so they can, you know, get out from under that cover. And then, then they can start him against Notre Dame. And then, you know, some people might be like, all right, fine. You know, give him the start against his former team. But if they do go back to Dracovic, Dracovic, I mean, nobody's going to like it. I I know that, but you know, I I think that people are going to remember the great plays from Emmett Moorhead's first start, but there were still a lot of plays that he left out there on the field. That was, that were endemic of a freshman making his first start. And, you know, I get that Dracovic has been very embattled. Um, the, the other, and I, I'm wondering if this might even just help Dracovic moving forward, is that this was the first game, I think, 
maybe of the entire season where the entire offense of the starting offensive line played every snap. They played every snap at the same position. And then, which that's the first time that happened. And then this definitely has never happened before. None of them had a single penalty, which was remarkable. Yep. Um, you know, the, the one I think offensive penalty was a holding on George Takis on a uh, Zay Flowers, like jet sweep kind of play on the outside. So, you know, may, I think we saw a lot of progression from the offensive line, which has been obviously this team's biggest issue. So I'm wondering if this is kind of that, you know, and again, I, I talked about how Duke has a good defensive line and they were still able to get some pressure on uh, the quarterback and, you know, make some impact in the run game. But I'm wondering if the offensive line has maybe kind of finally found its footing that they can, you know, start making some real forward progression in the last few games of the season. Which is, which would be great. I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's what, what they maybe need. Steps. So, yeah. And I don't even want to guess because we don't know because Halfley is not going to tell you. Yeah. We're not going to know until, you know, what, when is the game on Saturday? Probably three 30. Three 30. Yeah. So we won't know until, well, he usually does those at like around the time college game days airing. So probably before the noon slate, if I had to imagine, or maybe he'll wait because the BC, whoever his BC sources wants to be like, Hey, give us some more time. Yeah. So we won't know. And, and I'm sure I'm guessing that they're going to continue to not hammer him, but there's been some of the press has been asking him and he's said what he said, but I'm sure he's not going to tell you because it's not, it's not beneficial to the team for them to know who's going to be the quarterback. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, At least in, in halfway's eyes. Um, All right. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the game that, that, that BC showed up on offense. This is what we finally saw a game where, the offense, I mean, they scored, what did I say, 21 points over the first, the last three games total, I think, something like that. Um, and they scored 31 in this one. So th- at least you can tip your hat to that. Still a lot of issues. And I'm glad you brought up special teams because that was such a major problem in that game. And it's been something, it's been a very concerning issue with BC this year. Well, it's every every week it's something different. Like this week it was those penalties. You know, I guess, I guess punting has been a consistent issue. Luckily there were no you know, absolute shanks this week, but you know, not, none of the punts were that good. So that, that's not, that's a, that's an issue. And again, this, the, this, this, sorry, the penalties on the kickoff returns was where the biggest issue in my opinion, which haven't really been a, a big issue to this point. So it's just, it's frustrating because again, every week there's something new that they have to fix. Oh, before you go, Mitch, I want your thoughts on that first uh, onside kick. Uh, I am fine with the decision to do an onside kick. I uh, don't, I don't love that decision there, that, that play call of the onside kick. Um, I, 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 it's not a decision I would have made, but I get it. Um, you know, try to catch them unawares. Unfortunately, you know, they have the presence. It's a Duke. So of course they do. They have the presence of mind to fair catch it. So they can't get touched. Uh, luckily, whoever was right by the, guy who caught it he didn't hit him and draw another 15 yard penalty but uh, i get it you know i I think you know you have some off you have some momentum on offense in the second half uh finally so you know you try to capitalize on that momentum by you know hopefully getting a sudden change play you know get the offensive ball back let them keep riding that momentum and unfortunately they couldn't do it i mean onside kicks are especially i mean I don't think they can't, I guess they just still do the run up in college, but you know, the onside kicks are just really hard to convert regardless of who you have. So I, you know, I'm fine. I'm, I'm, you know, generally okay with the decision. Um, it's not one I would have done. It's like basically a toss up for me, but I, I get the logic behind it. All right, Mitch, where can people follow your work? 
You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Um, ideally, we'll have the rewatch pieces back this week. Um, unfortunately, Watch ESPN has kind of figured out my hack, apparently, to get the clips. Uh, so I'll have to kind of see if I can find a workaround this week. Um, if not, we'll try to come up with something, some other type of content for the readers and subscribers to enjoy. All right. Well, thank you, Mitch. In a moment, we're going to get into basketball. Well, I'm going to get into basketball because men's basketball tips off at uh, Conti Forum tonight against Cornell. And we're going to get into everything you're going to want to know about that game because it's it's um, the start of a very exciting season uh, in a pivotal one for Earl Grant. But before we get into that, Bet Online is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all of your latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information, with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. They've got college basketball, and if you're interested in BC versus Cornell, the opening line on that was BC minus 12 and a half. You can head over to bet online if that's what something you're interested in putting wagers on. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, locked on BC, AJ Black here, and I'm here talking about men's basketball because I know a lot of folks out there are done talking about football. And I, I totally get that, uh, that you are all hoping uh, that this is going to be a magical season for men's basketball after an, an, a great end of the 2021, 2022 campaign where BC won um, three games in the ACC turn, uh, two games in the ACC tournament, excuse me, and almost won a third, especially when they weren't predicted to win any, they beat Wake Forest, they beat Pitt, it was a uh, really good end of the season. And now they bring in four highly recruited freshmen, Chaz Kelly, DJ Hand, our money mighty, and um, Prince Oligby. And then uh, Mason Madsen, who you see in your picture up there, is a 35% three-point shooter from Cincinnati who should give BC the ability to stretch the field uh, floor a little bit, something they did not have at all last year. Now, BC opens their season tonight against Cornell. This is a game, um, uh, uh, you know, BC starts the season like most basketball teams do with a couple of cream puffs to start it off. And BC has no history against Cornell. I saw the notes given out by uh, BC's uh, sports information department. They haven't played Cornell since the 1960s and they're 3-0 and against this team. Now, BC will have uh, be a little short staffed in this game or short, you know, their bench is going to be a little bit shorter Quint on, on Friday during their press conference, Earl Grant said that Quinton post is going to be out for this game center Quinton post. And he has a injury on his foot. He's been practicing with the team. Earl Grant says, but he doesn't want to push him. And that makes sense. Like if you're playing a team and I think Ken, uh, Ken Palm has Cornell in the three hundreds, you can sit Quentin Post, especially when you have a deeper bench, as what, which is what Earl Grant's saying. Like you got enough guys out there that can fill his role. So expect BC to go with smaller ball in this game because they don't really have a deep bench at the center position. If they're going to go with typical fives, it's Post, it's Armani Mighty, and then you're going to have to kind of get a little bit um, 
creative after that. Maybe put Bickerstaff, TJ Bickerstaff at the five or play a couple, you know, you know, add another guard or forward or wing out there to fill that spot. So post is out. The other injury, and we'll have to wait and see what's going on here, is that DeMar Langford, their star forward guard, is uh, day-to-day. I almost said out. He's not out yet. Day-to-day with an ankle injury. He's been practicing as well, but he missed. It, it sounds like he missed their last two scrimmages because of their ankle, his ankle injury. And we're not sure if he, you know Grant was not committal if he's going to play or not. Again, if it's to give him some rest and get him ready for some of the bigger games, you absolutely rest Demar Langford. Okay, so there's a couple injuries there that you need to watch for. But as Grant said in his press conference, what he drove home is that this is a deeper team than BC's had in a long time. That they have guys that they feel can go out there and produce big minutes. You know, he he rattled off, you know, Chaz Kelly in their scrimmage had like 12 points and like six assists. So he's he sounds like he's ready. DJ Hand, uh, another scorer off the bench. And I, I'm telling you right now, Prince Oligby is, I mentioned it on last week's episode, is probably going to be a starter this year. So you got a couple guys that are ready um to go out there and play and i think that's fine that's great because you can manage these injuries you don't need to go out there and push quentin posts because you have no one else out there to play you can get him his rest get him to heal and get him ready for those bigger games because you're gonna need quentin posts when you get to ACC play, when you get to Villanova, URI, some of these, you know, the, the uh, multi-team tournament in the Virgin islands, you want him then you don't need him against Cornell and some of these earlier games. So I think BC um, is in a good spot there. Now, as I said, it's a 12 and a half point spread for this game. Um, And it'll be interesting to see how BC comes out because, you know, last year they did play, you know, they were still only 13 and 20 on the season. They had those two wins in the ACC tournament, but you know, you, you're going to have to show us, you have to show us that they're, they're, they're a good team. And I know that they won most of their out of conference games last year when they play these types of teams other than Albany, which was, we're not going to talk about, but go out there and, and, this is a team that needs to like dominate these types of games. Honestly, this is a game where you want to see, you want to see the freshmen get out there because, and, and get major minutes because you don't want your starters out there. This, you know, risking injuries against teams like Cornell. So hopefully BC is able to kind of just step on the throttle, put this game away early and get DJ hand, get Chaz Kelly, let our money mighty, you know, play a little bit and hopefully that'll get them their win. But it's, I, I have to say, this is the first time probably since the year of Kai Bowman and Jerome Robinson, the year that they made the NIT, that there's been any buzz about this program. That the, the basketball team seems to have a palpable buzz to, to, to steal the, the term of John Rothstein. And I think that's exciting. And we're going to continue talking about them throughout the season. And I'll be doing recaps. I'll be talking about the big moments of the games. Believe me, you can find that all here on Locked on BC, and I hope you check that out. Now, we're doing this live on YouTube, and hopefully you've hit that subscribe button already. If not, make sure you hit the subscribe button. We're trying to hit our 600th follower uh, subscriber, and we're hoping that you will be that person to do that. Now, 
we've had some comments as the as the show goes on, and we'll wrap up our show with these comments. Thomas Edson says, "What have you heard about mahogany in the portal?" I've heard nothing, and I have to say, there's a group of people out there that love to just throw out things and make you know rumors. I saw the BCI guys are saying it, and that's fine; they can say whatever they want. I am a credentialed media member, and I can't just deal in rumors. Um, and you know, if I go and ask Christian Mahogany, I could get in trouble with BC. There's certain things, there's certain things I have to do in order to keep my credentials. So I have to be careful about that. Would he, could he join the portal? Absolutely. It wouldn't surprise me, but I also wonder too, this is a guy that just tore his ACL and he's a captain on this team and has been a captain and traveling with this team. I, I, I've seen him at a bunch of different games um, throughout the year. So I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, it could happen. I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know. And that's kind of where I'm going to go with that. And finally, the onside kick was a bad decision. I, you know, it was, I, I'm not a big fan that they kicked it right in the air, but you know, they had to, t- it, the season's so, so gone, Daniel, that I, I don't know. I just thought it was it was it was an option to try and they tried it. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to recap BC Cornell, start to prepare for this weekend's game against NC State where there are 17 and a half point underdogs. Whew, that's ugly. And but there you'll see why when we get into it this week and we'll talk about everything in between. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and follow me on Twitter at AJBlack_BC. underscore BC. Take care, everyone.